And you may be seated. Come now to the Lord's table. I'll be reading out of 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23 through 29. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed and took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment upon himself. Uh, I want to do some explaining um, in terms of what we do and, uh, and, and believe about the meaning and nature of the Lord's Supper that flows from our passage, um, because there's a lot of uh, good golden nuggets <clears throat> that we can glean directly from our passage that relate in some way to exactly what we're going to be doing uh, tonight. Uh, verse 20 in our passage, Jesus says, I did one work and you all marvel." at it. Uh, now, what he's referring to here, again, is the healing of the invalid at the pool of Bethesda. Um, <clears throat> what happens in that miracle, that sign, as the Gospel of John calls it, is that this man who had been there for almost four decades now is, boom, right back to his whole position, just as he would be in a non-paralyzed state. It is a thing of marvel and of wonder. When we approach the table of the Lord, we do so knowing that it is a non-marvel-inducing sign and seal that points to the real thing that we do marvel at, okay? Uh, which is the totality of the work of Christ, specifically as we focus upon his death, as 1 Corinthians 11 uh, has to say, we focus upon his death. What we hold before us in the supper are the elements or the symbols of his death, the bread representing the body of the Lord Jesus broken for us, uh, the blood, I'm sorry, the wine showing the blood of the Lord Jesus spilled for us. Now, we don't believe that these elements become the body and blood of Jesus, and nor do we believe that they, in some sense, restrict his presence to only here and now. That is to say, we don't attribute more to the bread and wine than we ought we get nothing different here than we do in the sermon. So the sacrament is the non-marvel-inducing means by which the Lord communes with us, and we with him, and we with each other. It's to demonstrate and declare his once-for-all work for us upon the cross. Uh, verse 23 is a second passage, uh, second verse in our passage that has some relation to what we're going to be doing here tonight. Jesus said, on the Sabbath, a man receives circumcision. These are two signs that the Lord Jesus mentions explicitly in our passage that have something to do with the person and work of Christ. The Sabbath is a sign of the eternal rest for the people of God. And secondly, circumcision was a sign of God's covenant given to those eight days old. Uh, both of these signs are similar in that they point to Christ. And actually, if you really look at them, they are bloody in nature. The Sabbath 
has with it its own offerings that you are supposed to do involving the bloodshed of animals. Circumcision involves the destruction of the flesh. Both in some way involve pain and they induce anguish, but they point in their own way to the Lord Jesus. The Lord's Supper here is a sign and seal of the covenant of grace. So what the Lord's Supper shows us is that the body of the Lord Jesus was destroyed for us. He was in anguish for us, and he was in great pain for us. He was put forward, as the Bible says, as a sacrifice that satisfies divine justice on our behalf. So his body is destroyed for us so that we might live before God in confidence that he sees us in the righteousness of Christ. In verse 24, as we just looked at a moment ago, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. There's hardly ever a time in the Christian life in which we have to judge with right judgment than at the Lord's table. Uh, What we have is, to the outside world, nothing more than bread and wine. Uh, The bread is gluten-free, Uh, The wine is Mogan David. Um, The grape juice is uh, Welch's. This small and seemingly insignificant, as as small and seemingly insignificant as they are, they demand us to judge with right judgment in order to perceive the realities beyond them. Again, there's hardly a time in the Christian life where We do this as in the Lord's Supper, where we take the things that we touch, where we take the things that we taste, we appropriate them in that way, and and at the same time, we're appropriating realities that are not only physical, but also uh, non-physical as well. There's hardly a time in the Christian life where we see the touching point uh, of what is tangible and what is intangible than at the Lord's Supper. So when taking the Lord's Supper, remember that the body of the Lord was broken for you and that his blood was shed for you. So we eat this by the mouth of faith, even as we do our physical mouths. It's my privilege as a minister of the gospel, brothers and sisters, to to invite everyone who is right with God in this church through faith in the Lord Jesus to come to the Lord's table. If you've received Christ and you're resting upon him alone for salvation as he's offered to you in the gospel, If you're baptized and a professing communicant member in good standing in a church that professes the gospel of God's free grace in Christ, if you live penitently and seek to walk in godliness before the Lord, then this supper is for you. I invite you in Christ's name to eat the bread and drink the cup. At the same time, God's word says, whoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup unworthily shall be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself and so let him eat of this bread and drink of this cup. For he that, e- that eats and drinks unworthily eats and drinks damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And so if you're not trusting in the Lord Jesus as your Savior, if you're not a member of a faithful Christian church, if you're not living penitently, seeking to walk in godliness before the Lord, then I warn you in the name of Christ not to approach the table of the Lord. Let the elements pass. This warning isn't aimed to keep the humble and contrite from the table of the Lord as if it were only those, those, there for those who are free from sin. It's for sinners that our Lord gives the supper as a means of grace. Through the elements of bread and wine, the Lord graciously gives himself and all of his benefits to everyone who drinks and eats in a worthy manner, discerning the body of the Lord. It's one thing to eat and drink in a worthy manner. It's very different to imagine that we are worthy to eat and drink. So we don't come to the Lord's table as though we're worthy and righteous in ourselves. We come 
in a worthy manner if we recognize that we are unworthy sinners who need a Savior, the Lord Jesus. If we consciously discern his body given for us, if we hunger and thirst after Christ, giving thanks for his grace, trusting in his merits, feeding on him by faith, renewing our covenant with him and his people. So, brothers and sisters, examine yourselves, examine your minds and your hearts to to determine whether such discernment is yours to the end that we may partake to the glory of God, to our growth in the grace of Christ. Come then with joyfulness and thankfulness to the Lord's table. Uh, The Lord's Supper is medicine for poor sick souls. We come to Jesus and we find rest, refreshing nourishment in our weak and weary souls. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your power and your grace.